is it just me or does Mitch Trubisky look like a guy that doesn't know how to cook? Like at all. <laughs> I'm just saying. Wait, what? Like, he strikes me as a guy that's probably, you know, can make eggs, but you know, that's about it. That's the that's the end of the list for him. <laughs> I don't think he needs to cook. I follow his girlfriend on Instagram. She's stunning and she's yeah, always there cooking. You go. So I think he's fine. I I'm not gonna I listen. I think if in a pinch, I think he could probably whip something up, but I, I guess you know, I can maybe see he's that. a grill master. He need to you know, I'll give him that or something like that. But, but better than Kirk Cousins, who grills his steaks on tinfoil. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did see that. That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> I don't know. But. I bet Mitch doesn't do that. probably going to be you know someone out there that shows me a picture of him like julienning uh, a carrot or something just doing doing some crazy <laughs> culinary techniques and i'll eat my words but welcome to the football lounge uh it's a great way to start with some mitch trubisky talk i'm sure that'll you know be happening quite a bit throughout the we, we got plenty yeah, of it coming no up. question uh that that's going to be at the forefront of a lot of discussions uh obviously the man gets the starting nod week one that's no surprise there but uh, regardless, we will get into that later on in the show. I'm Dan Vasco. He's Mark Hespin. Thank you for joining us here on the Football Lounge. And, Mark, we'll get right to it. We got some you know, big news over the weekend, obviously, the week before the NFL season. Can't believe it's finally here four days away. But we have a lot of developments over the last few days. So we'll kind of just start with the big one, Deshaun Watson. Uh, getting a four-year, $160 million extension with the Houston Texans, $111 million guaranteed. And we just talked about Mitch Trubisky. The Bears could be in this situation right now, not to rub it in at all. But instead, they are still trying to sort out their starting quarterback position, and the Houston Texans have their quarterback of the future here. How about that? So I actually uh, was live on the air Saturday morning uh, hosting uh, my sports show on on uh, KHMO and uh, down in Hannibal where I where I work when I saw that and I was you know you set up your day's worth of topics as you go into a show and then something like that happens and it totally uh, uh, you know threw me off and my instant reaction was smart move by the Texans lock him up it's the contract that Dak wanted. But des- uh, but Deshaun deserves and has earned, and he is now uh, the it's the second high richest contract in NFL history besides yeah, 40 Patrick million Mahomes. A year. Annual annual money he's he's now only behind uh, Mahomes. And my um, immediate reaction was, you know, look, we've seen in the past couple of years, um, Goff got paid early, Wentz got paid early, Mahomes got paid early. And now uh, Deshaun gets paid early. And it has worked out for most of these organizations in the sense that there's some real stability. When I mentioned those names, those are guys you all would say, wow, if you're those those teams, you feel good about your quarterback situation. As far as health, a little bit of concern with Deshaun and and, uh, Wentz. But then my, my immediate next reaction was, if you're Deshaun Watson... You now have an opportunity to get another massive bite at the apple. 
If Deshaun Watson can uh, lead his team to the playoffs, you know, three of the next four years, win that division a couple more times, uh, maybe make a Super Bowl run, or heck, if he even wins a Super Bowl, he'll only be 30, 31 when this contract ends, when he's looking at another extension and could be in for another massive payday. Uh, so he, like uh, those other guys, like Wentz, Goff, uh, have set themselves up in a really good spot to say, hey, you know what? Um, yeah, Patrick Mahomes gets the $500 million and a lot of money guaranteed, but we all have an opportunity for a second real big bite at the apple if uh, we can play well uh, during the duration of this contract. So kudos to him. He deserves it. Happy for the Texans. Uh, you just hope that they can protect him, keep him healthy, and, and actually build around him. Uh, as we, we lamented last week with the, the GM Bill O'Brien scares me as opposed to the coach Bill O'Brien doesn't scare me as much. Yeah, keeps him through 2025. I agree with all of that. And the, the biggest thing uh, with this contract, you kind of alluded to it, is, you know, yeah, it's not the big money contract that Patrick Mahomes got and um, not even, you know. All, it's the second uh, it's, largest it's contract still, in the NFL. It's a big it's money contract. It's still a massive contract, exactly. And on top of that, the four years, is it's good stability, it's good guarantees, and then at the end of the day, if things go south for whatever reason in Houston or, you know, organizationally uh, with the team, if he feels in four years that he he doesn't have the uh, necessary tools to succeed, he has an option then to not only get that second big contract, but to get that second big contract elsewhere. And so, you know, yeah. while he wants to commit to Houston and they're committing to him, it's kind of the best of both worlds situation, with which I think is you know ideal. And not to say that Mahomes' situation isn't great either. Obviously, it is, but you know at the at the same time, Houston has had its issues organizationally, and I think this sets up the Sean you know for a good future, regardless of kind of what happens. But I do think this is a big. I think thing. that's a valid point. I think that's a really valid that I didn't think about until you just said it there. I, mean, I didn't even think about him leaving Houston. But you're right because, I mean, the other one of the other big news over the past week is, you know, Andy Reid and uh, Brett Veach get their extensions with Kansas City through 2025 or 2026. But what if the organization, I mean, Patrick Mahomes now tied to the Chiefs for the next decade. And what if the second half of that decade, they aren't able to find the right coach, the, you know what yeah, I mean, the right the pieces around him. Like, he's much. stuck. I mean, when you got these huge quarterbacks, yeah. you're banking on someone being able to navigate that cap well. I think Kansas City yes. is better suited to do that than the Bill O'Brien-led Texans because we mentioned the GM Agreed, agreed. And he's going to be the one having to deal with that contract. So unless they get a new GM in there, you're really banking on him being able to properly manage all of the pieces on this team. That's the big question mark for me. Maybe it'll work out, and then that's fine. Then he gets that second contract in Houston. Either way, he's set up well. Yeah, no, totally Moving on agree. to some more news here in the NFC North now. Uh, we talked about how uh, Yannick Ngakwe went to the Minnesota Vikings, which was tough for Bears fans, Packers fans, and the like. Well, now you insert Adrian Peterson into the NFC North to be a member of the Detroit Lions. Now, not as terrifying as Ngakwe, especially at his age, at 35 years old, but nonetheless, obviously a future Hall of Famer. And this is interesting, too. He's 1,053 yards shy of Barry Sanders' fourth all-time rushing ranking here in NFL history. So he only needs just over 1,000 more yards to pass Barry Sanders. And, look, I don't know if it's going to happen. I doubt it will this year. But if it does, 
he'll be able to do it in a Lions uniform, which would be pretty insane given all of the, you know, things that the Lions have been through. They've had Barry Sanders as the guy to to hold up there. And, you know, obviously, even if Adrian Peterson passes him, he's not going to be remembered as a Lion. But to still be able to do it in, in a Detroit jersey would be pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would be an insane story, mainly because I think it would be insane that Adrian Peterson rushes for over 1,000 yards. I think that's, but he's done it that's recently. the insanity. He's done it recently. I, yeah, I understand. I Listen, I like this move, actually, as a fan of a team in the NFC North. I, I think this this hinders the Lions more than it helps them. I mean, the Lions offensively, um, they've struggled with the running game, and I don't think this necessarily helps provide any sort of real clarity for the running game for the Lions. They want to be able to uh, run an offense like the Saints. They like they want guys that can get uh, passes out of the backfield, dual-threat guys. You know, I think if Adrian Peterson can have a nice, you know, a uh, couple games and he knows the division well. I think that's it's more of his expertise there. Hopefully he's looking for uh, as a guy who also can just take a little bit maybe of a load off or uh, if you get some leads in some games, you can rely on him maybe a little bit more to, to pound the rock and control some tempo, run some clock. Uh, I You know, I, I I thought his best chance to, to keep – to really finish out his career was another year or two in Washington, you know, helping that young offense – and being a guy in that offense is a, a more cognitive piece. I, I just don't see him. It, it, it's interesting because I did not see the Lions getting in on this at all, just because the way I think they want to play offensively. So we'll see. But again, I, I this to me, it, it's um, a real non-starter, and it wouldn't shock me if Adrian Peterson is cut or released by the Lions by week three or four. Honestly, I. If he if he was not good enough to make the team in Washington when they've had him for a couple years, and Adrian, listen, Adrian Pearson's chance to pass Barry Sanders went out the window when he was suspended for a year and 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 lost time during his prime because of off the field things that he rightfully should have been suspended for, and also the injuries. You know, he missed a year in his prime due to the ACL. I think those were his chances when he was still the feature bell cow in Minnesota to actually pass Barry Sanders and have a real run. At, uh, at that crown. I, I, don't, I don't see it happening now in the twilight of this crown. Well, I agree and I disagree because I agree that um, it doesn't really change a whole lot in terms of the Lions' standings or their running game, for that matter. But I think really what it is is bringing in a veteran guy. I mean, I could see – he seems to me like someone Matt Patricia would go after a target. So I, I wasn't surprised that, you know, he fit in with the Detroit system and whatnot – I think he's brought in more as a veteran piece to help push two young running backs that they're hoping to get something out of. Kerryon Johnson has shown flashes of being a really good running back, but he's also shown a lot of disappointment as well in the short time he's been there. And then on top of it, they draft their rookie DeAndre Swift, who they hope can be their kind of lead back. But it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case right away. They're going to go with a two-back system. I think Adrian Peterson's more so there to just kind of uh, push those guys help be a mentor, and then maybe spell some time here and there. And obviously with COVID, you know, you have to prepare for any number of players to be gone at any time, and depth certainly helps. Look, I think he's a capable guy. If, he, if, if you get someone hurt and you need a running back, there are far worse options out there than having a 35-year-old Adrian Peterson. Look, he ran, he ran for almost 900 yards last year. He ran for over 1,000 y- yards the year before at age 33 and 34. I, I don't see – 
I, I don't see anything here that would tell me that he's just going to be completely done. Even if he, the Detroit Lions do end up cutting him, I think he ends up somewhere else in the NFL. And I think he has a good shot to pass Barry Sanders as fourth all time in the rushing list. I just don't think it's going to happen this year. I think he's going to need two seasons. But if he stays on rosters for two full seasons here this year and then in 2021, I think he for sure gets there because uh, it, it seems to me like very much like a Frank Gore type situation where the guy's older and he, you know, he's always just kind of around pushing for that starting nod week in and week out and may get a couple chances here and there to get 500, 600 yards in a season. Not sure if it's going to happen here in Detroit, but nonetheless, I mean, it's crazy that the guy's still in the NFL nonetheless. Um, so despite some injuries, he has been relatively durable, uh, especially here in his mid-30s. Let's move on to the AFC now. Jadavian Clowney moves to the Titans. The Tennessee Titans sign him on a $15 million deal. Well, I should say it could be worth up to $15 million. An interesting story I hear heard here, Mark. There have been some reports. I believe ESPN was the one to have this out there first. They were talking about how New Orleans was very close to acquiring Jadavian Clowney, but that they are hearing reports that the NFL put a kibosh on it. And that was primarily because New Orleans was trying to work with another team, which is believed to be the Cleveland Browns, although that hasn't been confirmed, to have that other team sign Jadavian Clowney for $15 million because the Saints couldn't afford that. Then trade for Jadavian Clowney with said team and give them a second-round pick plus another player to unload some of their cap so then they would be able to take on about a $10 million base um, cap hit with signing Jadavian Clowney. So an interesting kind of um, you know trade and deal or sign and deal, I should say, type of situation there. But nonetheless, apparently they couldn't get approval from the NFL to sign off on that kind of situation. And he ends up in Tennessee uh, reunited with Mike Vrabel. Look, I think, you know, if, if any situation kind of fits Jadavian Clowney, to me, Tennessee seems like a good place for him to go. Well, let me start with the fact that I think that the Saints lost out on their chance to sign Jadavian Clowney when they gave Taysom Hill $25 million. That didn't help. <laughs> uh, that, that To me, let's just be honest about that. And I like the, you know, I have no problems with the NFL putting that down and saying, no, 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 no. Because that's, there's, the NFL is a hard cap league for a reason. And the NFL has the hardest cap to manipulate and deal with for a reason. Uh, the NFL is very strict about that. I mean, the NBA, you get all these 10-day uh, contracts and you have, exceptions to the cap and and obviously in baseball there is no cap and i think the nfl sees listen the saints are all in i mean they're doing a lot like the bucks they are they are all in and i get it they they are spent they're trying to do everything they can to win this year uh or or, or maybe they can convince drew to stay for one more year but like this one year because drew's already got his uh contract to you know to do tv uh coming on up and so I get why they are interested and they're trying to make that move. And it's really a smart move by the general manager of the Saints and that organization to say, all right, can we cut this deal? And for the Browns to be in on it, uh, you know, I think it's a win all around. But I like that the NFL said, no, 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 we're not going to let stuff like that happen and let these teams have their cake and eat it too. If you're going to spend your cap money on other players, that's it. Like, that's you're, you're done. You're toasting that. This team has... The ability—it's the same money that this player wants. You know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna give it to this team, 
and I think you're absolutely right. I love him on the uh, on Tennessee. Makes me feel better about my Titans pick actually a little bit. Uh, I think that Titans defense gets some more bite in it. Clowney's a guy who's going to come in, and I don't think he's going to be an All Pro or a Pro Bowler, but a couple, uh, you know, make a couple big plays, a couple big sacks, and some key moments. Uh, just a key pass rush guy, put pressure on the quarterback. And for Clowney, it's a chance to go back to a system to where maybe this can be your home, and then you sign a two or three year deal for the next couple of years if you can prove it. Or uh, it's a chance to once again to say, hey, I could be a hired gun year at a time. We want to do this, or who wants to give me a two or three year deal? If I could put some really good tape on on, uh, on film. Uh, but I'm glad the NFL kiboshed the New Orleans thing. Yeah, you know, the thing with Jadavian Clowney is, especially over recent years, he's been a situational pass, pass rusher, and that's where his skill set has been. He hasn't been a, a every down type of threat. And especially like in the run game and things like that, there have been reports about him, you know, not taking things necessarily seriously uh, in his approach. Yeah to practice and, and all of these situations, which look, whatever the guy got $15 million. So who are we to say one way or the other, but at the end of the day, that is the reputation that he's kind of brought with him. Nonetheless, if Tennessee felt like they could get a guy in those situations that it was worth it for that type of money, then so be it. I feel like that's a little bit rich um, for my taste. If I'm going to spend that money on a guy, uh, I'm going to want someone that can produce on a down by down basis but at the end of the day, it's a one-year deal. It makes sense for Tennessee. Yeah, I think so. The one-year thing, I think, is where the money doesn't bother right. me as much. And they had it to spend. You know what I mean? If they can find that money, it's not like they had to let someone go or 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 re. You know what I mean? Or, or they missed out on something else because they signed it. This wasn't done months and months ago. You know, here we are on the eve of the season, and they were able to get it done. I will say, in that division, you, you got to think about too. I mean. And in the NFL, it's one of those. It's not like the NBA or some of these other leagues where, you, you know, in baseball, you don't just necessarily build to win your division. You are just building, trying to find your starters, and then and then you're trying to find guys who fit your program and, you, and what you want to do as a, you know, and your manager and and the analytics. In the NFL, it is about I, we got to just win our division because we win. That's you win your you want to get in. You got to win your division. That's what saves jobs. That's what keeps coaches. Uh, and general managers from getting fired and having to find a new private school and move their kids across country again. Um, and so in that division, you say to yourself, I can now have Clowney for two games a year against the statue that is Phillip Rivers, and then I have Clowney for the two games a year against the magician that is Watson, and we got to get pressure on Watson. we got We got to get him to the ground. And I have Clowney now two games uh, of the year against a bad Jaguars team and a, and a small – uh, mobile, but not a dynamic athlete in Garner Minshew. Again, it's about winning that division, getting after the uh, getting in, and, and Clowney helps in all three of those situations. I like as well. the Philip Rivers statue thing there. You know, I'm wondering if if they do put a statue of him uh, at the Chargers facility, are people gonna <laughs> just mistake it for being Philip Rivers? <laughs> yeah, I know. Honestly, he's just hey, that immobile. That's what Hard Knocks has not been great this year, but I will say. Um, it, that has been some of the fun dynamic where some of the veteran Chargers guys saying things like, I haven't seen a ball like that in a long yeah. time. Or, hey, we got a mobile guy. You know, they're, they're slight shots. I mean, and Phillip's great, but it's and was great there for a long situation. time. But the slight shots uh, yeah, are fun. And, and I'll agree. Yeah. I mean, Hard Knocks is kind of in a tough position, too. It's a, a new year. I think they've done yeah. admirably with, with kind of what they've had. Agreed. At the same time, I'll agree. Like, it's, it's just not going to be nearly as dramatic as it has been in years past. Um, I was really for sure. pulling for the Steelers, man. I, I thought it was – a prime opportunity for them to be featured. But then again, I mean, 
with the way this year has gone. Oh, I, I, don't I know. have no desire. I have no desire to have the Bears on hard knocks <laughs> no. at all. Yeah, it would just be kind I of sad. I have no desire. But, you know. I don't want to know. I really don't. I, Look, I'm I was good. there I'm in really 2016 good. and 2015 when they had the Gases of the World, the Fangios, Forte. Oh, yeah. That was fun. That was a fun locker room to go into. I, Veterans personality. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. like this year there's not. They, you know, they just uh, the teams lately. They don't really have a, a whole lot of characters um, like they had in the past. You know, with uh, even like the Kyle Longs and stuff, but. Yeah, no, I would agree. Uh, Trevathan's a character for sure, yeah, yeah. but he's, he's uh, probably but, the one but, guy. Yeah, but you, you know, um, yes. All for right, sure. well, rounding out our opening act, uh, we just got so much news, uh, you know, these couple weeks. So I, I'm sure things will wind down. Maybe they won't, though. It's 2020. Who knows? Uh, but look, Josh McCown, we got to talk about this. Josh McCown getting signed to the Philadelphia Eagles practice squad. He's the oldest practice squad player in history. 41 years old. And he's being considered their emergency quarterback. So basically, he's staying at home in Texas, and he's just kind of coaching high school football football, like he was, you know, years earlier when he was out of the league before he came back with the Bears. And uh, he's just going to earn $12,000 a week, cash that check, coach high school football, and participate in some of the virtual meetings. And that's it. Unless they really desperately need him, that is all that his job is. Is this the greatest job? In all of sports, I feel like this might be the top spot in that category. Yeah, until he actually has right, to right. play and then he gets exactly, lit up. Yeah. You know what I mean? But uh, he, even no, then, though, there's no expectations a, at that point. True. No, I, I, you know, I'm actually a little surprised we don't, haven't seen more unique stories like this. Um, I think, you know, we, it, this year, again, we're going to it so unpredictable um, I think it's smart by the Eagles. I think they now have locked up uh, the best available option for OMG. We need a guy on 24 hours notice to play a game. They have the guy that he, he is the number one guy in the, in the NFL circle for that. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I like, it's a similar to what the bucks did. I think with Josh Rosen a little bit and just stash, they're going to stash him and maybe move him onto the roster uh, eventually to start maybe to see if he can groom or learn from uh, from Brady over the next two years. Who knows? But um, I, I, I would be sh- I wouldn't be shocked if you see more of this where quarterbacks get calls where you are uh, you're going to have a lot of guys, multiple quarterbacks maybe on practice squads uh, or the depth of the quarterback position. You know, a lot of times teams will go into oh we're only going to bring two quarterbacks into this week. Uh, but having three and then a practice squad guy more than in years past just because that is the one position you don't want to just be like, OMG, now we just got to run the Wildcat all week. You know what I mean? You can, you can uh, fill, you know, emergency move, uh, you know, a defensive line, uh, an end to a nose tackle or a, a rush edge to a, to a linebacker stand-up guy if you need to or, heck, even a safety to a linebacker or something like that. Uh, you know, a tight end to a wide receiver, a wide receiver to a running back, but not having a real depth and a lot of uh, uh, experience or just guys that could play the position of quarterback. It's going to be interesting this year, that's yeah, for you sure. Need, and it's a great gig for him. Kudos to him. You need familiarity, and that's what he brings there. Like, uh, this move made more sense in Philadelphia than anywhere else because he's been a part of that uh, organization True. so recently. So if you need that emergency player, that's why you want guys who are familiar at least with the system 
even if necessarily they don't meet all of the thresholds that you want them to meet. The Steelers just did that this week. You know, Duck Hodges, who was a fan favorite last and year, Dobbs. got released because they wanted Josh Dobbs in, who had spent multiple years in the system. Even though Duck had more starts, uh, they, they you still want that veteran familiarity over uncertainty, especially in a time like this. So, yeah, a lot of teams are carrying four quarterbacks, and uh, I agree with that move. All right, let's go on to our bold strategy cotton statement or quote of the week. And, you know, this is interesting maybe for a different reason because sometimes there are just blatant, obvious messages being sent by a player or a coach through their words, but then other times there are some backhanded statements or, you know, got to read between the lines a little bit. And I think that's what we kind of do here a little bit with Cam Newton, although I can't say he's being super subtle about it. But when asked about his relationship with Bill Belichick and the culture of being in New England, getting this new fresh start to his career, Cam said, quote, I think, honestly, it's been a match made in heaven for me, just knowing that I'm at a place where everything is pulling in the same direction and everything is gearing toward winning, unquote. So at face value, it seems like, okay, great. Like the guy's at a new place. He likes his head coach. He likes the position he's in. All is well and good. But when you pull back the curtains a little bit, does it seem like he's throwing a little bit of shade there at the Carolina Panthers when he's talking about being at a place where everyone's going in the same direction and it's all geared towards winning? Is this implying that the Panthers maybe didn't have that mindset or at least weren't working towards it uh, when he was there, especially in the last couple of years? This is why I think it's a bold strategy is that Cam Newton to me is a guy um, that at this point in his career – I would argue is going to end up in the hall of very good, not the hall of fame. Um, no matter what he can, I, I, even if he's able to salvage the next four or five years, whether even with new England, I, I just don't see him being that guy now who's going to make uh, is going to have a, another, another 10 years in his, in his career to become a hall of fame or whatever it may take. I will say this, why it's bold is that Cam Newton has every right to go down as like the Panthers, all-time great and a Panthers legend and a statue outside of Panther Stadium one day and eventually hopefully get that moment where he can sign that one-day contract back with the Panthers and and walk off gracefully into the sunset and say, hey, you know what? We didn't get the job done, but I was your guy. You are my city. This is my home. And, and be an ambassador. You know what I mean? Just be the face of that franchise for them as that former player with a lot of players, you know, have have that relationship with teams. And for him to throw shade at all, and this is definitely shade, at the Panthers to me is just, it's confusing, it's weird, I don't understand it. I, I think it's, if, if you were to really press him on this, I think it would, it's more him saying, he would, he would say, oh, I didn't mean that at all. It was more meant as a compliment to where I'm currently at. But again, Cam Newton's, you know, if I'm thinking about him and if I'm around him and his team for the long-term play, I'm like, Cam, listen, no matter what happens here in New England or wherever we go next, your number's going to get retired. You're going to be in the ring of honor. You're going to be, a, you know, a Panthers Hall of Famer, and you're going to be able to build restaurants and make commercials and have a nice life, living easy and not paying for a steak in Charlotte. That's going to be about it. Uh, so let's be a little smarter with how we treat the organization that is going to treat us hopefully well for the rest of our lives. Does that make sense? Yeah, and and look, this is a guy that we're talking about who wears, you know, very flowery outfits. He's very 
you know, out there. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. We're talking about a guy after losing the Super Bowl who, you know, couldn't even really, you know, do the press conference. We're talking about a guy who's always been vocal. Yes. So, look, when he, you know, this comes as no surprise, but at the same time, um, to think that there's not some sort of shade thrown here. That, that wouldn't be in line with what we know about him in terms of how he approaches press conferences and questions like this. So, yeah, I think it's fair to assume that that is kind of what he was um, gearing that towards. But honestly, it doesn't seem, by all reports and by all accounts, Ron Rivera has been a guy at that has taken competition extremely seriously and is a guy that wants to put everything out there to win. So it's hard for me to believe that the culture there wasn't about winning, especially when you're talking about success that they had and Super Bowl runs. So, you know. Especially with guys like Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis. I mean, those are. And Greg Olson. Those are non-frill. Yeah, those are non-frill guys who who were with him for majority of his run there yeah. and are guys who you wouldn't, you wouldn't th- say anything less than are playing the game. Look, to win I, the game. I think it's a bold statement because now he's setting himself up to okay, Cam. Now, now you guys have to win this year. You got to You got to You got to put together a playoff run or something. Otherwise, this these types of statements are going to come back, and it's going to be yeah. well. Hey, I thought I thought you were a part of the winning culture now, and you guys are six and ten. What's up with that, Cam? You know that type of situation. Uh, it doesn't put yourself necessarily in a good spot. Nonetheless, it's not the craziest thing. It's not the most outlandish thing an athlete's ever said. So we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But still, you know, it, it is throwing shade at Carolina. And I don't think anyone thinks Carolina is going to have a better season than New England this year. But I also don't think it's going to be a huge difference. It might be a couple game difference versus, oh, this team is 13-3 and three and you're 5-11. and 11. So, you know. Agreed. Yeah, Agreed. Maybe, maybe that's something to save for after you've uh, proven something in a brand new system. But, you know, that has been the bold strategy cotton of the week. And we'll get to another one, obviously, next Monday. But, you know, hey, this is week one of the NFL. So, obviously, we have to get the rest of our predictions out of the way. We did our AFC predictions, playoff seedings last week, Mark. And here we are for our headliner this week. We'll do the NFC North, or I'm sorry, NFC predictions and playoff seedings how we kind of see this thing playing out. And we mentioned it last week when we were done with all this. This is so much more difficult to predict than the AFC because there are so many variables and so many teams that are probably on that wild card bubble that is very tough to kind of figure out which ones to to lay off. So I don't know about you, but this this was a really tough one for me to kind of put together. Yeah, I will say this quickly before we jump into the NFC. Last week, we agreed on pretty much everything in the AFC, only you had Denver and I had New yes. England. Uh, those were, But otherwise, we agreed across the board with our playoff teams. We both like the Chiefs, the, uh, uh, the Bills, the Titans, the Texans, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. I just like New England in that last spot, and you yeah, like and, Denver. And the seedings uh, were a little I bit will... different, too, but like obviously they were, little, but, it was, those were minor yes. issues. I will say this about the NFC, and this is what makes it more difficult, in my opinion. When I look at predicting what teams are going to do well, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I You could you could be right 70% of the time if you just say, trust your gut and say, I think that team has the better head coach and the better quarterback. The problem is, in the NFC, there's a lot of good head coaches 
And there's a lot of yeah. great quarterbacks. There's, there's a lot of ties play. In, in, when you come to that. <laughs> yeah, it is. And so and, and there's also a lot of guys. There's a lot of teams. It's like, well, wait a minute. They maybe don't fit that formula of the great coach, great quarterback. But we know they have an amazing defense. Or we know they have an elite players and other positions. Uh, I will say this. Can we save the North for last? And I want to say... Can we go to the? Can we do the NFC East first? Because I think it's that's the how I had it set up anyway. I had uh, well, I, I had the okay. North first, and then going <laughs> clockwise uh, directionally. So we'll just we'll just. I gotta save the North for last because I I worry I might embarrass that's myself fine. when that's we fine. get there. We'll, we'll but push the North to the bottom. We'll start with the. East. I don't want to lose credibility. I don't want to lose credibility uh, too <laughs> yeah, early not that on. Early. We gotta at least um, get. You know, an extra 15, 20 minutes of uh, listenership. Yes, before of we listeners. Go yes, I don't. I, you know, I want them to think I kind of know what I'm talking about before I, they lose. They, I lose them. Um, I, I'll, I'll start with the NFC East, and Dan. I, to me, it is the easiest uh, because I think there's two teams that we know are non-contenders, yeah. and it's and, and to no fault necessarily of their own. This is just the stage that they're in. New head coaches, young quarterbacks coming off of really bad years, uh, they are in like the year two or year one of the rebuild or the rebirth. Uh, I think in fourth place in this division, Washington, uh, I love Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera, though, is let's let's not let's be honest with ourselves. He's dealing with a cancer diagnosis right a now. A lot going on. Uh, and even though the doctors, yeah, even though the doctors say it's it's uh, easy to beat and he should be fine, uh, this one at least this you know, and they want, encourage him to keep co- keep coaching. Uh, that's obviously a, a big distraction. I think there's going to be some emotion to that. I actually have them, Washington maybe being an upset win of week one with getting a win over Philly as kind of an emotional just That could uh, be their new name, the Washington way. Upsets. Yeah, Let's right. Get it going. Uh, every t- yes. Um, but I, you know what, again, okay, I don't want to spend too much time on it. I got Washington about three-win team and not very good this year. Uh, I have the Giants coming into third in this division, about 5-11. and 11. I really like Daniel Jones. I saw a lot from him early. And then he went through his struggles. And then by the end of the year, there was, again, he, he you could see the improvement. Joe Judge, to me, is the is the wild card. We talked about it two weeks ago, the first episode of the show. I just don't get I – don't, I don't have no idea what to expect from Joe Judge. And he could blow me away, or from what I've seen, there's a lot of weird I'm trying to be Belichick cliches so far from camp. I just don't get – I think they have some real talent there, though, with Saquon – Daniel Jones, I think there's some improvements uh, on the defensive and offensive lines for the Giants. I have them about 5-11. and 11. Uh, Dallas, I have them coming in third in this division, battling for a wild card. I won't say if they make it or not. We'll say that for the end. Uh, I have them just around 8-8. Eight and eight. Wow. Uh, and because mainly because that's why I have Dallas. Oh, they're always finished around 8-8. Eight and eight. What I learned more about from Dallas um, and why I don't, again, new head coach, uh, I think that has to say something. I like Mike McCarthy. Not a lot of faith in Dak. I think Dak's going to have something to prove, but I also think that doesn't help Dak because I think the best thing that Dallas can do is run the football. But I think what like Mike McCarthy loves to do is throw the football, and Dak Prescott wants to earn a big long-term deal. And how do you do that? By putting up really big numbers. Uh, I think all of this weighs in that underlying psyche and not being helpful. Also, let's not kid ourselves. Dal- the back end of Dallas's defense is not great. Um, and, and, uh, I don't trust a lot of their health. You know, I like Van Der Esch a lot. Uh, he was, he wasn't healthy last year. Uh, you know, so I, I, I don't know where to go on that. And I, I gotta be honest. I just like Philly a lot and I'm going to have Philly, uh, winning this division fairly easily, uh, somewhere around 11 and five. 
maybe 12 and four, 10 and six, I, like in that range. But I think Philly wins the division. And uh, again, it's a coach quarterback thing. I think he's the best quarterback in the division. He proved that last year when even though Dallas had way more talent, was way healthier in the end, Carson Wentz they single-handedly carried Philly to the playoffs, and I think they're healthier this year as, as far as skill positions go. Uh, I like their defense. I like their head coach. I hate their offensive line. That scares me, uh, but we'll see. I like Philly winning the division. Okay, yeah, so, I mean, I have the same hierarchy in the division, and I think that comes as no surprise because we're in – large agreement there with kind of how these teams stack up. Uh, I do have disagreements with where I think uh, the cap for some of these teams is. So I'll, I'll go through that real quick. I think Washington. Okay. Yeah. I, I think Washington has a, a good chance to get to four and may probably push for five wins. So I think, I think five and 11 um, is somewhere I feel comfortable with them. Although, I did put four and 12, but that was kind of more to be safe and to kind of save my butt on that end because they also just, they're devoid of a lot of talent. And I think they're going to need a year or two to have that Ron Rivera culture instilled and to bring on some, some new pieces to kind of really fit with that system. But you know, it all boils down to what Dwayne Haskins does in year two. Agreed. And you know, there's just a lot of unknowns there. So it's hard to, to put a lot on that uh, until you see more of, of him playing on the football field. New York Giants, I actually have them pushing for 500. I think they're they're close to a 500 football team, and none of this has to do with Joe Judge there. Uh, I actually think Daniel Jones you know, showed a lot of promise down the stretch last year. The, the last five games or so, he really came through in some important moments, even if they weren't important moments with the season on the line or their playoff hopes in the balance. He came through in some moments and games, where it really showed you this is a guy that maybe this team can lean on, and then you have a superstar running back. I think anytime you have some athletes that are complete game changers, like Saquon Barkley, and you get a, a, a healthy year potentially out of Evan Ingram, who is a dominant guy in that, in, in, as a receiver and tight end, I think that there are some options here for this team to really push that 500. I have them at 7-9. and nine. I think that's a safe spot to put them at. And I think they get there because, what, they were 5-11, and 11, I believe, last year. I think they improve by two games because of the improvement of Daniel Jones, because of another year with Saquon Barkley. And, look, they've had some issues with health in their receiving core as well with the, the Sterling Shepard. And, you know, you got the, the rookie Slayton last year who led all rookies in touchdowns. I think he had seven. Uh, he... Had a promising year, and you know he's got year two coming up. So look, I think there's a lot to look forward to if you're a New York Giants fan. I'm not going to say that they're a playoff team, and I obviously that's reflected in my thinking they're going seven and nine. No team is in the NFC I think is going to get a wild card with that record, but I think they show some hefty improvements this year. For Dallas, I disagree with you in terms of. Um, you know, where they land. Did you say seven and nine for Dallas? Is that what you had or eight and eight? You, no, eight no, and eight. no. That's what eight, you had. eight and eight or okay. nine and okay. seven. Or so nine I guess we're seven. not, I don't think they'll be below. We're not terribly far off. Um, but I, I did put 10 and six for them. And that's, that, that's primarily uh, because of a talent situation. It's, it's similar to me with kind of how Tampa Bay has stacked up where they got so much talent on their team. And while they haven't, proven it in recent years that they are capable of making playoff runs 
Uh, they insert a new quarterback in Tampa Bay. We'll get to that later, obviously, and that's a big difference. But they still have a lot of talent on the team, and that's a big part of it. I think Dallas has so much talent on this team. With another year, you introduce CeeDee Lamb into the mix now. You have another year of Dak with Amari. You mentioned Dak's you know, emotional investment in this season, and I think that's something that while you can't stake everything on it, it does have to matter at some point when it comes to the quarterback position. Look, if a right guard has a lot riding on the season, there's only so much impact they can make on the team. But if you're a quarterback that has his future on the line with a coach that wants you to come to fruition, that wants you to actually have a successful season like Mike McCarthy because of how pass-oriented he is, I feel like they're going to be in a position where they're going to be scoring a lot of points. They're probably going to be in a position where they're in a lot of shootouts, but I'm not saying they're going 13-3. and I think 10-6 and is a reasonable estimation based on how they've performed in recent years, how they're likely to improve, regressing to the mean, if you will, in certain areas. But, you know, you mentioned the defense. The front seven is, is pretty well intact. I think that there's not many issues there. So I, I think they have a lot of good foundational pieces to make a team that's going to be tough to just beat outright. It's going to be a team that you're going to have to earn wins against regardless. It's, not, it's one of those teams where it's like they're not, you're not terrified of them, but going into the week, you're also not taking them lightly and saying this is a, a team that we'll probably be able to beat and we can kind of pencil that in. So that's why I have them at 10-6 and six there. I'm you know, nine and seven, certainly not out of the realm. So I think we're closer there than maybe um, our initial estimates indicate Philadelphia. I got an 11 and five. I agree with you there. Carson Wentz proved it. Look, he was literally the receivers on that team were guys that have been searching for a job <laughs> Off the since, since they, you know, circuit city went out of business <laughs> they, they had to find new jobs. He's, no. And he's not, you're not <laughs> yeah, joking. Exactly. So we're talking about guys who are at best practice squad talent that he carried them to a playoff berth. It blows my mind. Anyone that's saying that Carson Wentz is not the best quarterback in that division because he's one of the best quarterbacks, even in the conference. And it's a loaded conference of quarterbacks. Carson Wentz is super underrated just because he's been injured. And I understand it. You, you can't go in there super confident all the time because you're not sure if he'll play 16 games. I think if you get 13, 14 games out of this guy, it's a for sure playoff team. They win the division. And even though I have them one game apart from Dallas, I don't think it comes down to the last week of the season. So I think Philly has it in the bag going into the final few weeks, and Dallas just ekes out a couple wins at the end of the year to, to kind of make it look closer than it actually was. I know we're already spending a lot of time on this. We got three divisions to go. I want to quickly rebuttal on two things, okay. and then I, I and then we can move on. I I think you un, I I don't I, I think you underestimate the, the Giants love <laughs> the Giants could be two and seven no, through I week just, nine. Oh, I mean, okay, they, okay, okay. Their schedule, they I mean they listen to their opening schedule. They're not favored in any. They're not going to be favored in I, any yeah, of their first five games. You have Steelers, Bears, Niners, Rams, Cowboys. I think we both agree all five of those teams are better than the Giants. Then they get Washington, uh, which you think is going to be feistier. I think it's a, I think Washington's bad. But then they have, after Washington, they have the Eagles and the Bucks. So even if they pick up that one win against Washington, 
they, they, they got a tough schedule. Now, they can get some easier wins at the end of the schedule. That's some Browns, some Cardinals, some Bengals in there. I, I just that, – that worries me a little bit. It's, it's more they have a brutal schedule and a young, young team. I get that. Um, I think I will a lot of their this. super difficult games are at home. A lot, a significant portion of the 49ers game, okay. um, the Steelers game week one, obviously I think the Steelers are going to win that game, but it's still, it's still yeah. something, uh, the game against the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals are a really difficult team to uh, now. Well, I'm um, just saying by the time you even get to those games though, I mean, legitimately those first set, those first nine, those first seven games, I mean, there's, you could make the argument if you're just going by which team should be the favorites. They could be two and seven. And that's when you start losing the locker room. Joe, Ju- like that's the only thing I'm saying. Yeah, that, that's, that, you the, know, that's the fair. Thing like I'm not, at. you know, I'm not going to begrudge you on that point. I, I, seven and nine is a bit and rich. With, I, I'm kind of evaluate, evaluating them at their what I think is their cap for the season. Okay. No, and look, and I think and I, I don't think seven and nine um, is an outrageous cap because I I do think Daniel Jones is is pretty talented, and when you have Saquon Barkley, that could win a game on a 90 yard run at any moment. Oh yeah. There there. That's kind of where the variable change is inserted. I, I I'm, you know, gotcha. so, and, and they play, they host the Cowboys in the final week of the season where the Cowboys, you know, I, I could see, I could definitely see New York winning that game. So, uh, to For get sure. them maybe to that seven. I, win. They, so if they're six and nine going into the final week of the year, I mean, you know, that, that's where, that's right. where I, that's fine. I'm just I, saying, you know, I'm just saying that's a brutal schedule. It is and then, a rough and then schedule. The, the Dak it point, is a rough schedule. The only thing I make with Dak is I disagree with you saying when you said McCarthy's a coach that is behind him because if well, McCarthy was really behind him, he would have had a he would have had a long term deal. Like look, they, I don't McCarthy know if McCarthy's would've, would've behind. Said, hey, him. I'm here, but McCarthy wants to win games, and by winning games, yes. by winning games as a as a quarterback centric passing coach. That's going to require your quarterback to do well. So I'm not saying necessarily that he's he wants Dak to be the quarterback of the future. But Dak's success is McCarthy's success. And All whether right. or not McCarthy right. actually wants to keep him around after this year or the year after, uh, a playoff win in year one as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys does a lot with your favor with Jerry Jones, and it does a lot in terms of showing the team that, hey, guys, like like – it helps you buy into a program or a uh, unit when you have a head coach that is showing you that he knows how to game plan and how to win games. All right. No, I listen. I, I McCarthy's an upgrade to me over yeah. Jason Garrett. I just, I, again, no OTAs, no preseason. There's a lot of new verbiage. There's a lot of Obviously, new verbiage, Moore but a lot, of, a lot of consistency outside I know, of McCarthy. I know, right, and I just don't like, I just, I'm just not, I I, I don't know. I'm just not Look, sold on Dallas Zeke, at all. If Anyways. Zeke gets hurt, it's it, it's done for Dallas. I think that goes from 10 well, and 6 to a 7 yeah. and 9 pretty quickly. For sure. But yeah. Okay. Let's move on uh, to the We got to move on. And uh, NFC South. Um, the NFC South, um, Obviously, juggernauts at the top, but at the bottom of the division, uh, Carolina. I have Carolina around five and eleven. I think Carolina could very easily be better than five and eleven. I think they could cap out about seven and nine. Uh, but again, I worry about rookie head coach, a lot of new players, new system. Um, besides McCaffrey, what is really the juice on that offense? I'm not sold on any one of the of the young receivers and the other guys that they have, the t- young tight ends. 
Um, the defense loses, obviously, a massive piece in Luke Kuechly. Uh, the defense is rebuilding. Defense isn't Matt Rule's necessarily his thing. I think they're going to give up a lot of points, and I also just think it's a team that you got juggernauts at the top of your division. They could easily go uh, lose both to New Orleans and Tampa, and it wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, and so there's four automatic losses in my head, and then all of a sudden you start piling up, like, where are the wins? Uh, I like Carolina, but again, it's kind of like I'm going to say about Arizona. Like Arizona, the division's really tough. Uh, so I have them about 5-11. and 11. Atlanta, 9-7. and seven. Atlanta, to me, is a team, as much as I can never buy into Dallas, I always buy into Every year, I, I do the same I thing. <laughs> I could have easily had Atlanta 12-4 and four, uh, because Atlanta's one of the seasons. Ago. Well, they got Julio Jones. They got Ridley. They, I mean, they have Matt, Matty Ice. The problem with Atlanta is, again, I think Atlanta fares better against Tampa and New Orleans. I think they could beat up on Carolina a bit. Atlanta's schedule uh, doesn't scare me as much, as certainly as a team like uh, New, the Giants' schedule. Um, I, I And again, I think it's a bounce back year for Matt Ryan. I have them borderline playoffs. I think that it's not enough to necessarily save Dan Quinn's job. And there could even be some rebooting Atlanta after this year. Wouldn't shock me if Atlanta's five and eleven. It wouldn't shock me if Atlanta is eleven and five. Uh, I'm gonna stick them right around nine and seven uh, in that playoff hunt. Here we go. New Orleans. I actually have taken a step back this year. I have New Orleans at ten and six. Uh, they will make the playoffs as a wild card. I'll, I'll you could spoiler alert there. Uh, New Orleans again. I think they struggle with a tough division. I think they have a tough schedule. I think New Orleans um, did not spend the money particularly well. I think Taysom Hill is one of these guys that the 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 luster of him and the awe of him is going to wear off pretty quickly. I don't buy into it. Again, prove me wrong. That's fine. I'll admit I'm wrong with the first one. I'm happy to admit that. And I just don't really know how much Drew Brees has left in the tank. Drew Brees had the benefit in playing better at the end of last year because he had to sit for five games as he nursed that thumb back and his legs were good and his arm was fresh and his mind was ready to go. Um, Drew Brees in a 16-game slog, even getting breaks with Taysom Hill. I don't know. There was times last year in big moments where we remember in that playoff game where, like, Drew Brees can't get over the top of Minnesota and they actually look better with Taysom Hill. Let's not forget that. I still think they're very good. It would not shock me if they're 12 and 4 and they're in the Super Bowl. I'm going to be more I'm a little more I'm a little colder on them. I'll go 10 and 6. Still make the playoffs. Still could make the Super Bowl, but the NFC is tough. Uh no no easy wins uh 10 and 6. And then Tampa. Listen, I had Tampa at uh before the Leonard Fournette thing at about 11 and 5. I gave them an extra win. I just think that it's more to me um that the fact that they they have a mindset right now. There's an attitude, a swagger, and a mindset that we're seeing from the front office to the coaching staff. And what we're hearing is we're all in. We are, we are no when to hold them, no when to fold them, and we're all in. I mean, this is this is a gamble like we've never seen. I don't expect them to burst into flames and be seven to nine. I expect them to make the playoffs. They could easily be the 10 and 6 team in the wild card position in this division. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt 12-4. And a lot of it is purely because I think they have a little bit better weapons than New Orleans. I know they have a better defense than New Orleans. And I I trust Brady right now in 16 games. We're talking regular season, just over the long slot of 16 games. 
more than I trust Breeze. So that's why I go with uh, Tampa at twelve and four. Okay, well, I agree with the basement there, Carolina. I have them at six and ten, so we're pretty in line there. It's got to do with a new quarterback and a new head coach, as you mentioned. Uh, the lack of familiarity there, brand new system to learn for the whole offense, and then you inserted the quarterback to learn that as well. That makes things difficult. I think they're going to be in a lot of games where they're behind early and they're going to have to come back, and I don't think they're set up on offense to have that type of attack. They're a, t- they're a team, in my view, that to win games, they're going to have to control the time of possession pretty heavily. They're going to have to sustain long drives early and long scoring drives early. Um, obviously, Christian McCaffrey gives you an opportunity to do that, but you need to spell that with some timely big plays in the passing game. Not sure exactly that that's going to fit. And look, I like Teddy Bridgewater probably more than the average person, uh, but it's going to take some time. And you mentioned it's one of the more difficult divisions in the NFL. It's going to be too difficult for them to kind of overcome. And there's really looking at their schedule. There's no moment where you can say, oh, there's a three-game stretch that they could really, really get after it. Roll off yeah. some wins. You know, yeah. it's just it, it seems like they're going to be constantly one win – two losses, one win, a loss, a win, two losses, just over and over again throughout the season. Uh, it's it's too difficult to kind of get a lot of momentum there. Atlanta, I'm right there with you, man. I, every year, just say they got so much talent. Matt Ryan is a phenomenal quarterback. They've got the offense. And, you know, a couple of years ago, they had the defense too. The defense has regressed significantly, which just – you know, lowers my confidence in them drastically. And then on top of that, the offense looked really out of sync last year. I don't know what the deal was. The run game didn't wasn't working. Matt Ryan wasn't working, throwing a lot of picks. Um, yeah, they got Julio Jones. They got Calvin Ridley. They got another tight end now in Hayden Hurst that they think could be, you know, a big play guy. And then Todd Gurley, if he's healthy, he gives them a boost to that run game. I still just don't have enough now. I'm going to I'm going to stop getting on the Falcons hype train until they show it again because I've been burned too much before. I have them at right around 500. I have them 8 and 8, maybe 9 and 7. So the 8 and 8 maybe is a little bit on the low end for my estimation. But I just don't know. I mean, I'm right there with you. They could be an 11 and 5 team and you just have no idea, but I think I think they're going to be close. I'm done predicting it. I'll yeah. just wait to it's see. It's so hard to do. Yes, agree. So, uh, Tampa Bay, though, I have it second in the division at 11-5, and five, and they're going to be on that you know kind of playoff circle. We'll get to that. But uh, the reason I have them at 11-5 and five is there, there are still issues in the run game that I think need to be figured out because you're not going to rely on a deep ball passing game that Bruce Arians has you know kind of staked a lot of things on with the play action, go over the top, I'm not saying Tom Brady doesn't have it in him to go over the top. I think that was a lot more of the system and things in place in New England that that's just not how they ran things, so you didn't see it from him as often. He did struggle at times, though, I'll say, so it's not like he's Jameis Winston that can throw it 80 yards five times to ten times a game. Tom Brady's going to be much more methodical in the approach, but I also think that that could kind of help this team. Um, and, and we saw it from last year, their struggles, despite having – moments where the offense looked great so I think he helps get them to that point where they are competitive throughout an entire 60 minutes of a football game but I do think though 
There are still some issues on defense. I think they are an underrated defense, but there are still some issues that kind of concern me, especially, uh, you know, on the defensive line and maybe some parts of the secondary. Uh, look, I think they got linebackers short up well, and I think they have some good pieces. But overall, when you're competing in a division that has some really dynamic offenses in New Orleans and Atlanta, that's going to open them up to probably not sweep anyone in particular. I just don't see a lot of sweeps going on in this division, which is going to make it Agreed. tough for them to get to that 12 and 4, 13 and 3 range that I think maybe a lot of people think that they could get to. So 11 and 5 for Tampa Bay, and I'm still high on New Orleans, man, because of the continuity, the the dra- the overwhelming continuity that they have on defense and offense. I think their defense uh is a little bit underrated to be honest. Uh, I think Marshawn Lattimore is still one of the better defensive backs in the NFL. Cameron Jordan, uh, despite being up there in age, is still operating right outside of his prime, if not right, you know, in it, just at the end of it. Uh, Linebacker, there are some issues there that they need to get figured out. They're not going to blow the lid off of anybody on defense and, you know, post shutouts here and there, but I think they're going to do enough to where the offense is going to have enough opportunities to have sustainable drives on a possession-by-possession basis. Not only with Drew Brees, look, I think he did enough last year for the team. And I think that that's kind of where he's going to be at this year. But on top of it, you have Alvin Kamara back spearheading the offense in what is somewhat of a comeback opportunity for him. You know, it's not like he was set out the whole year, but it it's the fact that he has an opportunity to put a full 16-game workload here, be more involved, yet again in the passing game, like we all know he can be dominant in. Spearhead the running game that's spelled by Latavius Murray. Look, I think they still have one of the better two-run punches uh, or two-punch tandems in the NFL in that backfield in Kamara and Latavius Murray. I think they get back to the run game a little bit more. I think that this offense is still intact in terms of they have Jared Cook back for another year at the tight end position, which, you know, he's a solid piece. He's not dominant, but he's a solid piece there. Michael Thomas, obviously the best receiver in the NFL, and their offensive line uh, is is firm. So I, I think a lot of those in place. And look, I, when it comes to some of these close situations, I give teams in domes do have an advantage because they get to play in a dome for eight times a year, and in the division as well, they got um, teams in a dome with Atlanta, and then some of the warmer climate areas too. So there's not. Uh, a whole lot of issues there with some of these teams, especially later in the season. But look, I just give New Orleans that nod. Uh, but I think it'll be a close race. So I, I'm looking for the Saints and the the Buccaneers to to be tight pretty much throughout the whole season. I really will. I I don't have any arguments there. I, I anyone you you can easily make that argument to flip New Orleans and Tampa. I have them the other way, and and I and I don't disagree. Like it's it's that it's going to be that type of year. Um, I have a little more faith in Brady than I do Breeze. That's why I went that way. I get why you went your way because I think continuity is going to be huge this year uh, with everything going on in COVID. So, uh, so far, no t- no real disagreements like as far as anything anything major right. for us here. Um, but let's move on <laughs> so to the far, NFC so West. Uh, the NFC West, I got to be honest, Dan, to me, this is, uh, this is one of those where – you look at it, and you I could just convince myself of so many different things. I'm right there I could convince you. myself <laughs> of, of a million different things to happen. Let's start with this. I think the bottom of the of the division is Arizona. I have Arizona about 5-11. and 11. 
Not because I don't think Arizona is a very good team. I think Arizona, for example, if they were in the AFC East or or the uh, you know or the AFC South, they, this team could easily be more of an eight and eight you know type of team where they just have a couple easier games against a couple of divisional opponents. But this division is is very top heavy. I think there's the three teams above them are all better than Arizona, and that just hurts them. Again, it's still a young quarterback, young coach uh, tandem. I love the weapons. I've said it before. DeAndre Hopkins is, to me, the second best wide receiver in the NFL behind Julio Jones. And we're going to talk maybe a little fantasy here at the end if we could squeeze it in. Uh, He could be that guy that wins you a league, in my opinion. Um, But I I have them sitting around 5-11. and Again, not because I don't like them, just because their division is brutal. Uh, And their out-of-conference schedule is tough as well. All right. I have the Rams at nine and seven in third place this division. I like the Rams a lot. I could, I will be. It happy says a lot when you love a if, team and they're nine and seven. But I, I, I hear isn't you. Isn't it weird? I, hear you. I, I would be happy if the Rams end up in a better spot than the Niners because I don't like the Niners. They just rub me the wrong way. I don't know what it is. You just get those things. It's like I don't really like you. Um, it's how I am with the Cowboys. Probably a little bit of my Cowboys hate. But I like the Rams. I like Goff. I like McVay. Aaron Donald, to me, is still probably pound for pound, head and shoulders above the best football player in the NFL. And um, I have him at 9-7. and seven. I don't love their offensive weapons. The, the wide receivers, Cooper Cup, if he can stay healthy all year, I love him and Jared Goff together. I'd love to see what they could do in a full year. I'm interested to see what the running back is. Again, we talked about it. When the Rams are great. Two years ago, Super Bowl, they ran the ball really, really, really well, like uh, the Niners did this last year. So if they can find a way to get that back, that'll be huge for them. Uh, I have them at 9-7. and seven. The Niners, I actually have in second place in the division, I have the Niners taking a step back. And I guess is a little bit with my Baltimore thing. I think they're still going to be very good, again, because of the continuity, the talent, uh, the coaching staff. And, every, and, and the way their offense just works because they have a lot a, a system that can be a little plug and play. But I will say this. I don't think Jimmy G is dynamic enough to where you can just completely keep getting out-schemed by the Niners. I think there's going to be – defensive coordinators are going to watch that run, that run scheme all offseason long. They're going to start to pick up on some of it. Now, Shanahan's a brilliant guy. I love Shannon. He's going to find new wrinkles, and he's going to burn people. But Lamar Jackson is so physically gifted to where he will make you look stupid. And so even if you know what they're doing, he can still make you look stupid. I think the difference is this year what loses the Niners a game or two compared to what they did last year is there's going to be teams that know what they're doing, and Jimmy G is not good enough to make you look stupid. Does that make sense? I know it's like bar football dumb guy argument. I get it. But I I think it, there's some validity there. Again, I still think they're a good team. I still think they make the playoffs. I have them to take a step back. And a little bit of it is because I love Russell Wilson. And I think Russell Wilson is the second-best quarterback in the NFL. I think the gap between him and Patrick Mahomes is closer than people actually would tend to argue or, or, He's or really He's the second-best quarterback in the NFL. And so when you have the second-best quarterback in the NFL, Dan, what happens when you play teams in the NFL? Every week, for the most part, and they don't play the Chiefs this year, so every week they go in with the best quarterback in the NFL. And every week, I would argue, besides their game against the Seahawks, 
I think they go in with a large advantage as far as quarterback play goes. I think he's considerably better than Goff and Jimmy G, the guys they the, the other teams that play. They have games against Washington and the Jets and the Giants that they should blow those teams out uh, just because, again, based on quarterback play. They have their two games against the Cardinals. Again, um, I think they at least split those, if not win both of them. I have They have games against the Bills that are tough at the Bills, but again, the quarterback advantage. I also think the defense is going to be better this year, and adding Adams is a real thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, they start this, they have that game against the Dolphins early on. They have the game, they start against the Falcons. Uh, they start against the Patriots that looks like a much easier matchup for them now with their continuity versus New England that has all this stuff up in the air. And again, that's New England coming all the way to them. I have Seattle sitting at about 12 and four, and I have them, uh, as the, uh, number one overall seed in the NFC. I love Seattle. I think this is a year that Seattle could win the Super Bowl uh, or represent the NFC for sure, and it's just more just my love for Russell Wilson. I love him. I I, I, I don't think he gets enough credit, so I'm riding Russell Wilson this year. The Seahawks can end up 8-8. Eight and eight. I'd be pretty shocked, but they could see it because, again, limited offensive talent, and I don't necessarily trust this coaching staff. Uh, but I trust Russell Wilson, so I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna go with it. I'm gonna. I mean, it's, it's bold, but I'm. I'm all in on the Seahawks this year. You know, I, love is a very powerful emotion, Mark. <laughs> so, so, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> it can it's steer you blinds. astray. <laughs> all right, go convince um, me I'm wrong. It's all right. I have Arizona at the basement. I I think this is a closer uh, division than you do. I think eight and eight is where I have Arizona. I just don't see them repeating their from last year. I, I think they showed a lot of growth throughout as the season progressed on offense. And um, look, their defense got better as well. And Buda Baker got this huge contract as a safety. He's one of the best in the league. Uh, they, they definitely have some, some building blocks on the defensive side of the football, and then on offense, they just got even that much more dynamic. So I don't understand how you could insert DeAndre Hopkins into an already really dynamic receiving core and offense and not improve at all. You know, and I and it's valid. So it's really valid. I, I have them at eight and eight. And look, Cliff Kingsbury's beautiful fireplace at least gives you two uh, wins every year. <laughs> Because you know that guy's game planning or, around that fireplace every now and then. Or I don't or know if he's spending a lot of time game planning on the fireplace. <laughs> you never know, man. I would if if I was Netflix doing... and next Netflix and chilling at that That's fireplace going fair. on at the Kingsbury house. Um, I have the Rams at nine and seven. I agree with you totally on the Rams. Um, really solid team. It's just the the way they're built right now. I agree. If they can't run the football dominantly and effectively week in and week out. I don't think Jared Goff in this offense is kind of set up to win shootout games, right? And if as good as their defense has been and as good as their defense can be, they're they're going to be in games where you're going to have to take the lead, like and not just meaning like on the scoreboard, but take over the game, control the game. And 
I would have loved to have seen them get Stephon Diggs. That, you know what I mean? They the need a guy well, look, look, like here's that. The thing, though. I, I think Robert Woods is, is a really quality number two receiver, and Cooper Cup as well, but they've had injuries. And, yes, yes I agree that they – especially they've shown that they're willing to spend some money on guys. They're willing to, they're they willing to go get those free like agents. That. Yeah, get a guy that can take the top off. I mean, think about how much more dynamic this offense could be with one other – weapon like that especially when you don't have a weapon in the backfield at least as of right now that we that we have seen daryl henderson a name unproven weapon, yeah. cam Akers, unproven who's going to take the lead they're probably going to go with the committee approach for the first few weeks is that enough you know can you afford to kind of take some of those um you know samples in the first several weeks of an nfl season with there's already so much uncertainty a lot riding on that for them i have them at nine and seven i think they're a good team but just not good enough this year in a tough division. I have Seattle at number two. And look, I don't think you're nuts for saying that they're the number one seed. I love Seattle too. I think they're a great team. The problem always has been, Mark, is Russell Wilson's phenomenal. That's not the issue. The issue is let the man take over. Let him run his offense, okay? Because this is the thing that's really like pissed me off about the Steelers in several situations over the past few years. They've given Big Ben more and more opportunities to run the no huddle, but when Todd Haley was there, a lot of times they didn't. And then in, in recent years, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, some some slower developing plays. Let the the guy is a Hall of Famer, and I'm speaking Russell Wilson at this point. The guy's a Hall of Famer. Let him run no huddle more often. Let him do his thing because the guy knows what's best. He knows how to win football games, all right? But I think maybe some pride takes over sometimes, and they really, really want to run the football all the time. But it's like, I get it, all right? You don't have a great offensive line, so you have to run the football, keep the defense honest. But when you can't actually run the football, that's a problem. And look, Chris Carson's had his injuries in the past. They've had they've missed on Rashad Penny so far. The fumbles are a concern. They haven't been an effective run game. Like they had with Marshawn, excuse me, like they had with Marshawn Lynch. And that's when the team was dominant and was going to Super Bowls. Obviously, they had a phenomenal defense, too. But look, they don't have that on the defensive side right now. Maybe Jamal Adams will make that big of an improvement. I'm not sure if he will. He'll be an impact, but is he going to change the nature of the defense? I don't think so. Are they going to be able to run the football better? I don't know. We haven't really seen it. And Chris Carson, I like him, but they got to get more consistency out of that position and more health. So this all boils down to they haven't surrounded Russell Wilson with enough. And it's been the offensive line for years that's been the problem, and they haven't addressed it adequately. Russell Wilson's running for his life, and when the defense knows it, what what can you do except for make magic, which he makes ma- magic happen all the time, but you can't rely on that as a winning formula in the NFL. You just can't. And – that's that's why I think they're at eleven and five rather than thirteen and three, and I would love to see it. I'm I'm a huge fan of Russell Wilson as well. I I love him. He he in my mind is the closest thing that there's been to Fran Tarkenton, and I, I think oh, they're yeah. so similar. And it's awesome to watch him play and make the throws that he makes. But yeah, I just have them second in the division. We'll get to the seeding later. Forty ers I have at one. I have them at a cap of 13-3. and three. The reason for that, we've mentioned the continuity being a big part, but it's more so I, I truly am convinced Kyle Shanahan's one of the top three coaches in the NFL. 
I'm truly convinced that football is a game that is won and lost in the trenches. And we're talking about a team that has the best offensive line and defensive line combination in the league. They are just extremely deep and extremely effective at the most crucial units on an NFL team. That can, that can cover up a lot of shortcomings. And so if you can block well and scheme up runs, I mean, look, they, they were running with Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida, not guys that are pro bowlers. All right, and but they can run effectively and take over a game. I don't think Jimmy G needs to be a superstar. I think he'll be better, uh, and that's that's based off of another year with Kyle Shanahan. That's based off of um, introducing more talent in the receiving core with Brandon Ayuk, their first round draft pick. Debo Samuel returns for another year. He was obviously um, you know an up and coming rookie last year. I know they lose Emmanuel Sanders, but. With George Kittle returning, the intact offensive line, and you have Jarek McKinnon returning to the running unit. So now, yeah. you know, now you have more options to throw to. You probably run two two running back sets more often than not and have options to throw to run. Um, I think they'll scheme up some interesting combinations there. And I'm just convinced that this team knows how to win football games. And, you know, I know that Kyle Shanahan was kind of looked silly late in the Super Bowl but Andy Reid will do that to any coach. So I, I just have – I'm confident in the 49ers this year. I have them at 13-3. and three. All right. I mean, again, I'm not going to argue with you on those. It's, it's the same as the South. There's there's a lot of talent, and there's uh, and, and it can shake out either way. I think we both we, – we're both in agreement that the two best teams that division, Seattle and, and, uh, and San Francisco, are both capable of winning that division and both capable of making – Playoff deep playoff runs and sh- and and should be playoff teams and I think that's I think that's what you know you can draw from this you know if you there's no I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna get worked up about that at all I will just say this about the 49ers I worry more about the Super Bowl hangover a little bit I worry a little bit more about the psyche of the team um, I mean they were close and they admitted in the offseason they looked at Brady when you're as good like looking they, you know I mean? as like, Jimmy Garoppolo is. I don't I, think you have to worry too much about psyche. <laughs> no, I, I just. I know like I can't. You know, kidding. they're just a team that, if for some reason they start off like two and two, you know what I mean, or, or there's a slow start or like a bad loss in there early, I, I just don't know where it, where it that shakes them a little bit. But and again, I do think that the the scheming can only get you so far. We saw with the Bears when the first year with Matt Nagy, scheming got them really far. And confused a lot of people, and then people adapt. This is the NFL. These are de- real. But defensive it's not like Kyle Shanahan was smoking mirrors. He was out scheming you by by just having good blocking schemes. And and yes. if you can and they are a very good blocking, team, and they're good you know. players. Yes, you know. And so, but I, but you know, uh, so, uh, but again, I don't want to don't argue too much. I I totally respect that. All right, NFC North. Here are we you go. Ready? So <laughs> we're an hour and 15 in and we're getting into the most heated part. Not necessarily that we we're sorry, but this is, there's a lot of passion no, in the NFC North. Here. There's a lot of passion for the watch. Okay. Detroit in fourth place, uh, but I have them at eight and eight. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> this is really tight. I think this is really I, tight. I, we're not in a lot of the NFC North. Here, so 
I think this is really tight. Now, could Detroit end up being 4-12? and 12? Would I be shocked? No. I like them in 8-8. Eight eight. I think Stafford bounced back here. Like the offseason additions, like the moves, I think the defense gets better. I think there's a panic in Detroit, a little bit of a like, hey, guys, the, the ownership's getting tired of this. I mean, the Ford family, Martha Ford, she's been quiet for a long time, but even she released a statement in this offseason basically saying like, yeah, we want to start winning. Like, we're done with this. And, and and let's be honest, Stafford's one of those guys, too, where I think the rest of the league also understands, like, it's not really his fault. Right. Like, here's a guy that you could put in a lot of rosters, and they could be – and immediately upgrades them. There's a culture thing there. It's a, I think Matt Patricia is – it's got to win games to save his job. Uh, I like them. I like them. I like them. Uh, I, I got eight and eight. I'll give it to him. But, again, I think that is, like, peak ceiling for them. Peak, peak ceiling. Um, second in this division, second to last, uh, Minnesota, eight and eight. Let me explain. Spicy. Let me explain. Let me explain. Minnesota lost an athlete and a, and a wide receiver. I know they drafted the kid out of LSU. I can't think of his name right now. Um, Jefferson. The wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Really good. He's great. But again, that's like we're assuming he's great on the NFL level. And Thielen has had as great as Thielen's been, injuries have hurt Thielen. Now, where is he at? How does Thielen actually deal as the number one guy when you don't have the opposite, you know, the opposition there? And Diggs, a, a guy who's an all-world athlete and talent. I think that really hurts them. Dalvin Cook, who I love, and I think Dalvin Cook has, if he's healthy, and that's a big if, is a guy who you could legitimately bell cow back can carry you. I really think this is one of those things where the loss, the biggest loss for the Minnesota Vikings is Stefanski, the offensive coordinator. Kirk Cousins is a guy who you need a, a you need an offensive coordinator because Mike Zimmer doesn't does doesn't really touch the offense. He's a lot like Fangio. He doesn't really touch it. He gives you his opinion basically saying, I want to run the ball, I want to control the clock, so I can then send my guys out there to just pin their ears back and be fresh and go, go, go. And their defense is nasty. And Zimmer is great. I just have a gut feeling. This falls apart without Stefanski and without Diggs, and I think that their their offense, is, I have no idea what to expect from it, the look of it, but I know that if Kirk Cousins doesn't have a guy in his corner who's going to really just tailor things for him, I know he throws a great deep ball, but if Adam Thielen goes down and tweaks an ankle or gets his ham, works on his hamstring again, where is the real firepower? Rudolph's a guy, I like a tight end, but he's not ta- he's not Kelsey. Okay, he's not Kittle. He's not Ertz. He's not taking tops off of defenses. He's great red but zone he target. He leads the league in tattoos. I'm almost yeah, he positive does. He, he does. does. So I'm just again, I could be very embarrassed by this, and I'm willing to I'm willing to put my name on that. I'm I'm okay with that. I'll own it. But I'm going to make a bold claim. I just think Minnesota takes a big step back this year. And I think it's offensively. It's not defensively. I think there'll be a lot of close games. And I think that the offense is going to struggle. And that's uh, just making a bold position. So 
They could easily make the playoffs and easily be, I think, capped out at a 11-win team. I don't think they're worse than 8-8. Eight eight, so it's kind of my Detroit and Minnesota thing. It's like, I think Detroit, their peak is 8-8, eight and, eight, and I'm going to give it to them. I think Minnesota, their bottom is 8-8, eight and, eight and I'm going to give it to them. Does that make sense? Yeah, That's yeah. where I'm going with it. Bold. I'm going bold with this. You got to be bold. The NFC is too tough to You're not be bold. You're telling me that the frozen tundra of Minnesota might snowball out of control. <laughs> yes. Okay, Rick I'll Riley. See, I'll see I myself am. out. I, uh, I, uh, and then um, that means that <laughs> you're just you, you can't even say it with a straight uh, face. Look I at have, this guy. I have. He's sweating. I folks. have the Bears. Can't at ten, see him, but I, I, I have. <laughs> I have the Bears at ten and six. Let's go, <laughs> baby. Go Bears. Let's go. All right. This is obviously I'm I'm a huge homer on this. Uh, and but I also as a person like. It's hard. I follow this team and, and and know this team so well. So I'm going to obviously – and I've always been a homer on them. I've always felt good about them. And I have – I mean, I, again, I am putting them at their absolute ceiling, 10 and 6. Ceiling, 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 health, positivity, ceiling, 10 and 6. And I'll explain why I think that is going to happen. <laughs> so why I think it's going to happen is I think the schedule works out fa fairly favorably. I think the first four games are very winnable. I think the Bears could easily shock people and end up 3-1, and one, if not 4-0. and oh. And if they do that, I think the level of confidence that gives to this defense, if the, the, only, re the only way they're 4-0 and oh is if the offense does put up points. So, again, it's a lot of ifs, but if. And all of a sudden, that's a snowball effect. And you see what happened to them two years ago, Nagy's first year. If they get Mojo going, they got enough dudes on that defense in what I think is one of the top three safeties in the league, one of the top ten football players in the league in Khalil Mack. You add Robert Quinn on the other side, a legitimate pass rusher, not Leonard Floyd where they're just hoping you can get something out of him, and a healthy Akeem Hicks in the middle with a healthy Trevathan and Roquan Smith. That is a recipe for wreak, wrecking havoc, uh, you know, uh, re uh, wrecking havoc, causing a big cluster F for <laughs> offenses. Yeah. And Kyle Fuller, you don't forget about a really – and I love the, the corner they drafted out of, out of uh, uh, Colorado. His name is escaping me right now. But what I'll say about this team is, so, again, all that goes well. They've invested so heavily in the tight end. I think the tight end shows up for them this year. It has to. I don't know. And it's 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 not I don't I don't think it's just one guy. I think it's by committee. Komet and and uh and uh and uh Jimmy Graham, I think, are gonna have a big year. I think Nagy is gonna he's pulling out all the tricks and stops. Last year, what did the Bears do? They tried to be like, all right, we showed you the smoke and mirror, but now we're gonna get back to we're trying to be more traditional. We're gonna be it's like no no no. Jobs on the line. Mitch knows it. Nagy knows it. Jobs on the line. Pace knows it. Uh, Allen Robinson, let's not forget, is fighting for a contract. And he is an underrated, great Super wide receiver underrated. in this league. Yeah. So, again, this could all fall apart so quickly. And the Bears, I think, at their basement, could be 5-11 and 11 and be a disaster. And it wouldn't necessarily shock me if that happened. I am going to go in confident. I'm going to make a bold prediction. I think they reach that ceiling. I think Mitch starts 16 games. I think Mitch plays well. I think the offense rolls uh, some people, and, and they have some games where they can. The defense will save them and others. 
I think the Bears at 10 and 6 and make the playoffs. And then I have Green Bay at 10 and 6, but winning the division. Um, again, I think Green Bay wouldn't shock me if their ceiling is 11 and 5. I think their basement is 9 and 7. I'm going to put them at 10 and 6 in the middle. And this is basically based on it's Aaron Rodgers. He's that dude. And I think because Minnesota, I'm predicting, takes a step back, um, that helps Green Bay. I think, um, but I do think I'm predicting that Detroit and Chicago reach their ceilings. That hurts Green Bay. Uh, and I do think Green Bay's schedule is otherwise also very tricky. I also think there's going to be tension in Green Bay. I think they're a one-and-done type of playoff team. I don't think they're an NFC Championship playoff team. And I think, again, when you get embarrassed and spanked by the Niners like they did, uh, and then they go out and they you hear the quotes from Aaron Rodgers. You could have done a whole bold strategy offseason on Aaron Rodgers' quotes about they draft Jordan Love, and what do they do? He immediately tells about, I go and pour myself a glass of tequila. There's some real tension there. And again, they're the type of team, kind of like I said with the Niners, if for some reason they're two and two, that could be real, it could get ugly in Green Bay. I think it could get ugly in Green Bay. And have you read the reports, Dan, out of camp? There's some reports that Jordan Love has struggled. Yes, I, I've heard it's pretty looked, rough, yeah. And looked not good. And if that's the case, that only gives Aaron Rodgers more of the inflation of his head of like, seriously? Seriously, who do I got to talk to around here to get a wide receiver? Seriously? Who do we replace Jimmy Graham with? Seri like, so I, I think they're still, because of Aaron Rodgers, a playoff team. I'll still give them the division. I'm not going to give it to Chicago. I don't think it's going to be Minnesota or Detroit this year, so I'll give it to Green Bay. I know it's bold, and that could be – we could look back in this, you know, in a year from now when we're predicting next year and be like, how stupid was I, and I'll learn from this mistake, or this may be the smartest thing I've ever said in my <laughs> life. And I'm willing to risk both of that. I'm willing Absolutely. to risk it. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be a great year for you then. Either way, it's I can't be wait wild. to hear what you say. I can't wait to hear what you say. Okay. Um, well, I, I will be honest. Like, that last – you made some really good compelling points there, so you've um, – You've shaken my confidence in my Green Bay. I'm not uh, a total right idiot, now. but yes, all but right. We'll get we'll get there because it's a little bit before I get to Green Bay. Seven and nine, Detroit is what I have. Um, I think Matt Stafford gives you several wins a year just alone. I'm not confident that Matt Patricia is the guy to bring this team to playoff relevance. I'm not convinced that they know what they're doing in the run game. Uh, I don't know how DeAndre Swift is going to look. Carryon Johnson is still a work in progress, and he's been injured, and there's been fumbles, and I just don't know. And I mean, it, to to play the way it appears that Matt Patricia wants to play, you got to be able to run the football, and I'm not convinced that they can do that at an elite level. I like Kenny Galladay. I like Marvin Jones. I think they have good receivers. TJ Hawkinson, I think, has a good year, a nice breakout year for that tight end position. Um, I agree. And, and Matt Stafford is a really solid quarterback that can win you games. Problem is, they lose Darius Slay, who is an all-pro corner. Great. Clearly their best player on defense. I don't see where this deep what, – what scares you about this defense when you're playing in a defensive division and you have by far the worst defense, and then you're going to go up against competent offenses like Minnesota, like Green Bay – potentially Chicago as well if they're if they can get dynamic enough the point is Detroit doesn't give you enough confidence to say this is a team that could get to a 10 and 6 wild card record I just don't see 
the possible scenario where that happens for this team. That being said, I think seven and nine is a relatively comfortable area that I feel with them. I don't think they could stoop as low as five and eleven. Just doesn't just doesn't strike me that way with with how this team is made up. Um, they are fighters. Matt Stafford Stafford doesn't give in easy, and they have home run threats. Uh, so, you know, with that combination, I don't see them getting blown out many times. Seven and nine for Detroit. This is where we have disagreements. It's our biggest disagreement of all the divisions in the NFC and possibly AFC too. I have Chicago as the third team there in the division at nine and seven. So look, I, I think this whole division is, is we're close on, on, record. on record. We're really we're close, close on, on record. record. We just have a disagreement on where some teams are lining up in this division. Look, I, I like Chicago, man. I, and I, I root for them on a weekly basis and I want them to do well. Their defense is awesome. So much going for them. You mentioned that the defensive line is absolutely stacked this year. I'm not worried about linebacker. Uh, I still I still think they have, you know, Danny Trevathan is, is a really good leader there. And he's a quality guy, three-down linebacker. He's a guy that can get you sideline to sideline tackles when you need it. He can cover a, a large area. I like that a lot. Secondary, solid as well. Kyle Fuller showed why he was drafted in the first place by the Bears and, you know, lived up to those expectations. Uh, Eddie Jackson, one of the greatest young safeties in the NFL. A lot of promise there. Offense. I believe Mitch Trubisky is going to play well enough this year. I just don't know if it's going to be well enough to garner enough confidence. A job next year. Correct. But I think it'll be well enough to get this team some quality wins. Um it's more so the, the depth of competition within this division that scares me a little bit. I do think they have a somewhat favorable overall schedule. But the way I saw this run game, like the expectations I had for their run game last year was a lot more than what they lived up to. And because I do think David Montgomery is a really talented running back, I, I, I was concerned at how Nagy game managed with, with that. Because, look, you can say Mitch Trubisky didn't live up to – aspects of the game and the scheme and that's true there's certainly blame to go around there but Nagy needs to garner a portion of the blame for how he how he approached drives at key moments in games where it's like what what are we doing like why are we not running the football here and then in other situations why are we running the football there it none of it made sense to me and I think it was him trying to make a statement half the time so that and that's what it it struck like to me um, I, I, I'm worried as to how the running game is going to come together this year. And I really think a lot of it's going to depend on if they're going to be able to run the football at all, which, which is why my confidence is weaned back a, a slightly. So can I just say, I know we're going to move on and I'll just want to interject here. Cause I, I, I love everything you just said there. I really do. Um, it's not for everyone out there listening who thinks we're just totally being homers too. Remember, the Bears were eight and eight last year. Right. They, this was not a four and twelve team that were like people think of the Bears as being bad because the quarterback play wasn't great last year. Mitch only threw for seventeen touchdowns in his like fifteen games that he yeah. played. So people, but so people are hating on that. But this was a team, even though Mac had a bad year last year and the defense didn't perform, was eight and eight. Which in in a league now where you have seven teams make the playoffs, you know, like it's not unfathomable to say that the Bears, if they, I think they improved. 
You get Bill Lazar, the new offensive coordinator, who was brought in purely to fix what you just talked about, taking the running game out of Matt Nagy's hands. Is a yes. guy who specialized it in Cincinnati and said, I'm going to make sure we know how to run the ball and get real blocking schemes going that fit our run game. You add Robert Quinn on defense. I mean, this is a team that got better and added a, added pieces at tight end and offense with Ted Ginn Jr., a reliable veteran wide receiver. Miller's healthy. Like, it's not unfathomable that what we're Correct. saying here. Now, again, a lot of this purely hinges on Mitch and Mitch playing well. Because I think if you get to a point where you have to put in Foles because Mitch isn't playing well, that's when the season starts falling apart anyways. And I don't think Foles is a guy that then leads them to a 10-6 and six record and makes the playoffs. So I just I mean, want to interject and that. David Montgomery is dealing with a recent uh, an injury. The hamstring, you know? the groin, so yeah, it's, the groin, yeah. It, that, that's not a good sign going into a season. Because if he's, if he's out of the picture, then that's – that's going to create some issues, I feel, because we're not talking about an elite offensive line right yeah. now. Yeah, and that's the no. So I just wanted to clarify yes, that for the listeners. Like, yes. we're not like like take a breath. Right. We I love the Bears. Dan's high in the Bears right now as well. Neither of us picked them to be a disaster this year. There's some legitimacy to that. They were not. They're not a bottom tier team as far as talent goes. I mean, they have a lot more talent than the Washingtons. Right. Of the of the league, where a lot of people are slating the Bears to be four and twelve, and it's like that's a lot of just national pundits like, oh, Trubisky stinks. Okay, four. It's a lot of confirmation bias. I feel like for a lot of people, because here's the thing: like, you know, I pride myself on being as objective as I can within the framework of the teams I love. So when it comes to the Steelers, I like to say like I'm trying to, I'm actually trying to be the harshest critic that I can be while also having, uh, you know, as deep of an understanding of the team as I can. And I feel like you, you, you're that same way with the Bears. Like, it's, yeah. it's – so there's a lot of people, like – and we're giving predictions on Washington, and we don't follow Washington every day, and, and there's all of these things. But here – So someone could be out there listening, but these guys correct. are idiots. They don't necessarily you know, know Washington We're going off we of what we watch and what, what we see closely. But the thing I will say from an objective standpoint is anyone that's saying that the Bears are like a total dumpster fire – I, I truly question whether or not you actually watch football on any sort of consistent basis. Because the thing is, uh, the, the quarterback position is obviously a super important position. And if, if there's failure there, then there's a lot of issues that affect the team. But you just mentioned the team, despite all of the shortcomings at the quarterback position, was able to get to an 8-8 eight and eight record. Uh, people don't like to factor in how good of a defense it is, as if that doesn't matter. That matters. They have one of the best defenses in the league, and they could single-handedly keep them in games and win games for them if they need to be. So the thing is, if you if you expect some marginal improvement, you know, and my expectation is nine and seven. I'm I'm giving them one more win than they had last year. I, I you know that's that to me is beyond fair, and it's the same thing that I th- it's similar circumstances for different reasons with the Steelers. Because it's confirmation by like everyone's like, well, the Steelers were terrible last year. Like, do you, like, I don't understand it. Like, how Colin Coward has them going seven and nine, and I'll never forgive. I, know, I will not. I, I disagree. I will not forgive I, him. I don't for totally that disagree because you're telling me they're going to lose one more game than they lost last year with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges because he's harsh on them. He's he always, always been harsh on them. On them. I, and people say because yeah. Ben's old, whatever. Like, yeah, he's old. He two years removed from leading the league in yards. 
and attempts and completions. Like, I think the guy will be okay, and he gets them a couple more wins. But I digress. That's where I have uh, Chicago at 9-7. and seven. I'll round this out quickly. Minnesota I have going 11-5. and five. I hear you on, like, all of those points about the offensive coordinator leaving, Kevin Stefanski, about the issues with this defense. Look, it's Dalvin and the Chipmunks, all right? This is Dalvin's gang here. And <laughs> I, I truly think that if he stays healthy, that this is a team that's a force every week because the guy is so dynamic in every way. And you have a capable quarterback in Kirk Cousins that can manage the game around him and have those deep threats in the Thielens, in the Justin Jeffersons, to where you can still have an open enough offense to attack teams and not have to worry about constantly being stale all the time and having to be the team that does 12 play drives for 90 yards and taking 15 minutes off like army. Okay. Like, so I I think Minnesota is set up well enough to where if they can at least just run the football well this year, they're going to win a lot of games because of how good that defense is. And because they'll be able to control the clock at 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 least a a manageable way. Um, I think Justin Jefferson does is a home run hitter. Like he, in terms of fantasy, he's been one of my like sleepers this year, just because of uh, how many targets are available from Stefan Diggs leaving. He's going to get peppered with targets early on. Um, Rudolph, a capable tight end Thielen. I hear you on that point. You know, I'm not sure how dominant he'll be. If he'll rise to that level, he is an older receiver too. You know, he kind of blossomed late in his career and they're in a division with a lot of quality corners. Um, and and defenses in general. So, yeah, I, I, I think they're middle of the road in terms of the playoff picture, but I think they're in that picture at 11-5. and five. It's going to be a close race in the NFC North nonetheless. I think Green Bay gets 12-4. and four. That's where I have them at, and that's because Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and the defense. The defense was really good last year, and while at the tail end of the season they started to taper off, they came in really hot, I still think they have enough pieces there to really be – one of the better defenses, top 10 in the league, and I think that matters a lot. I think what matters a lot is the ability to run the football, which I think they showed they do last year. The problem is the receiving game. Devontae Adams is the guy. But look, like this is a team that, that went to the NFC Championship game last year with relatively the same unit all around. I mean, not much turnover at all. Uh, so I have them losing one more game than they did last year but still being enough to, to win the division. I just, uh, Aaron Rodgers is a hard man to count out. I think Alan Lazard steps into a really solid number two wide receiver role there as a, a good safety net. They have issues at tight end. Aaron Rodgers can overcome a lot of things. Um, I, I still think, you know, this is at the light at the end of the, or not the light at the end of the tunnel, but rather the end of the road for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Nonetheless, I still think they have enough here to, to be a 12 and four team. Um, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, attack you for some of the bull prediction with the Minnesota and stuff. Cause I, I, I hear what you're saying. It could very well pan out that way. Yeah. I think, I think what we're, you know, as we wrap this up, we'll give our, uh, so for me, uh, if you, in, in, in recap here, I have Seattle as the one seed in the NFC. I have Philly as the two seed in the NFC. Uh, I'm going to give the three seed to Tampa, uh, the four seed, to Green Bay as the division winner. Uh, but I have um, the Niners as the five seed with a better record than Green Bay. I have New Orleans with a tied for record with Green Bay. I, you know, I could also see them certainly having a better record um, at the sixth seed. 
And then I give Chicago the final playoff seed just ahead of a really good Rams team and then a really good Minnesota team and an Atlanta team. Um, what I think, you know, what I think I want to put a cap on for me if the, over these past two episodes in the AFC and the NFC predictions when we went through this, I felt like I gave every prediction where my gut would just said, trust, like, this is where the middle of the road, like, they're not going to hit their ceiling. They're not going to hit their, like, peak for the most part. Certainly, I have Tampa at 12 and 4. is like, that's their peak. But I'm going to I give them a, a little credit. But otherwise, most of the division, it's like, all right, I'm going to fit them right about where the middle of the road I feel like they're going to land. Uh, with the only, only, only thing I did was with the NFC North, I just may, went a little bit, all right, I'm going to go balls to the wall. And, and go a little bolder and a little outside of the box. And uh, listen, I know I look at this and I think that, you know, it's kind of stupid maybe, but I just, there's something about this year that I think there's going to be something that's weird and wild and wacky. And I and I know the NFC North, so I'll go with that. And uh, I I've, I've stick to it. And you can all certainly make fun of me when it doesn't come true. Or if I'm right, I will trust me. I will make you all eat my words. <laughs> For sure. Have you kept a record of last week's, by the way? Because I realized I just deleted my AFC uh, seeds. Um, but we're going to have to I keep have track a of, of mine. Okay. I have a record of mine. I, I yes, still work. But uh, I, don't, I didn't write yours I'll, down. I'll, I'll just rewrite them because we're definitely going to want to keep tabs on this as the season progresses. And once we oh, get to the end. Oh, for sure. It'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be fun to look into it about the halfway yep. mark and then, and then at to the end of the season. To be checking in for sure. For sure. Um, I have, as the one seed San Fran, uh, 13 and three, the clear one seed. New Orleans, the two seed, uh, no surprises there at 12 and four. Green Bay, the three seed at 12 and four. And then Philly rounds out the division winners at 11 and five as the four seed. Uh, the first wild card for the five seed, I give to Tampa Bay uh, at 11 and five. I give Seattle at 11 and five the six seed. And Minnesota at 11 and five as well, potentially 10 and six, although I'm not sure. But I, the, the NFC is so talented that I really think 11 and five might be the cap. Or, or 10 and six at the very, I don't see a nine and seven team getting yeah. into the playoffs. So um, that's where I have, I think we're largely in agreement for the most part. Uh, obviously you got Chicago in there. Uh, we have some minor differences, um, but you know, nonetheless, really we have a differences in seating, but then otherwise the only difference is it's Minnesota and Chicago. You trust Minnesota. I, I I'll go with Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I will say this. Um, I think there also could be some real cannibalism in the NFC. Like, we were predicting high records for a lot of these, but it wouldn't shock me if you had a lot of these where, no, no, the one and two in each division is about 11 and five or 10 and six, like max. Right. Two. It could happen. Just because yeah. they're all so good. There's so much talent. Even the bottoms of a lot of these divisions, besides the East, are so talented to where there could be some real cannibalism in the NFC. Um, and I, I will say this if you're just going to make us do it here now before the football season starts, I think if I'm going to make I, – I, I predict – if I'm going to have to predict, I'll predict a Seattle versus Kansas City Super Bowl. Wow. You know, I haven't given it a whole lot of thought, to be honest with you. I haven't either, um, but I just – I'm going to go Can Seattle and Kansas know, City. I, I, Two best quarterbacks. I'm I'm going to be somewhat of a homer in my prediction, and also there's just a lot riding on it. The, the, if the Steelers are going to make the Super Bowl with Big Ben as a quarterback, it's got to be this year. Um, that's just how I feel about it. The, uh, the okay. Best defense in the league – in my view, if not top, it could top, very top well two, be, yeah. You know, um, 
potentially uh, one of the more dynamic air raids. Uh, I mean, he's two years removed from throwing over 5,000 yards. Uh, Juju's on, on a contract year. James Conner's in a contract year. It's a lot riding on this team. I'll have I'll have them making it to the Super Bowl, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say New Orleans gets there. Okay, um, so all right. Pittsburgh and New Orleans in the Super Bowl this year as the the early predictions uh, from the football lounge. So, well, I'm sure a lot of people will be able to have a lot of fun with that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but, hey, sure. you know what? If 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 you got to go big, then go big or go home. So that that's my take I agree. On it. But well, Mark, we're we're approaching the 145 mark, which uh, you know. We're, we're not going to get to an hour anytime soon, but that's just fine with me. We love talking football. I hope people love listening to us talk about football and, and kind of bouncing ideas off of it as well. So, well, hey. again, this is a little bit of a catalog sure. show. We're trying to put things on the catalog, and then once the season starts, you know, we're not going to break down every game. We'll give quick thoughts, but then there'll be one or two moments where we'll get back to it. Hey, this is my thing. This is dancing that we saw this week and uh can't wait i mean think about it next the next episode you get we're gonna we're gonna be in our real format ready to go not in off-season mode and uh breaking down football that's actually happening and not just us predicting what's yeah with happening. nfl predictions you got to qualify a lot of what you say right so that's that's taken up at least like 40 minutes of our talk here just, yeah, i know right like understand this is why i'm saying that i promise you <laughs> let's wrap up really quickly. I have my fantasy draft tomorrow okay, night, Tuesday sure. yeah, night. Yeah. I, I just really quick. Let's take a minute. We're already late here. Why not just take a minute? Um, you're, the, the question you pose is who's going to be the Christian McCaffrey this year. So you can't choose Christian McCaffrey. Who's going to be the guy that it's like, if that guy's on the team, they're most likely making the playoffs or probably going to win their league. Uh, I'll toss it to you first. Who do yeah, you think? Yeah, sure. So I wanted to think a little bit outside of the box. I mean, saying someone like Saquon would probably not be as sexy of a choice, you know, or, you, you know, um, or obvious it's too it's just a very obvious choice so I, i'm not going to say someone like saquon barkley or zeke elliott although they're in the conversation i'm going to go with someone that's going in the like third round running back todd Gurley, because i think that if todd Gurley is is healthy he's on an offense that plays in a dome he's on an offense that scores a lot of points or is at least going to have their backs against the wall and have to score a lot of points so this is qualified with it todd Gurley is is healthy but if he plays 16 games I think he can return back to dominance just because of the usage that he'll have in this offense. Uh, that's funny because um, I, I I totally love that. I think you're a total sleeper. You're absolutely right. If the uh, if the Falcons play great, it's good because Gurley has a real bounce, and he'll probably here. catch and a lot of passes. You know, and he won't be your first overall pick, Correct. so you'll have some other talent on your team, and you'll be able to do it. And that's why I'm going to go with Austin Eckler uh, as a guy that I think Austin Eckler is going to be. The guy, I mean, Mike Williams is out early for the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers, I think, um, they're going to have to get into some. We need to, we need to throw the ball. Uh, Eckler's their guy. He's their bell cow, but he's the untraditional, like Danny Woodhead on steroids, bell cow, where it's going to be a lot of screens, a lot of out of the backfield, a lot of dump off, and he is a yards after catch monster. Um, so I, I like, I, and again. He could be end up in in the and if there's anyone close to the production that you're gonna get, like the similar type of production of Christian McCaffrey, I look at Austin Eckler. And if you get Eckler, luckily if you're like me, and uh you got him in the seventh round last year and he's a keeper, so I get him in the seventh round this year. There you go. Uh I'm very excited. I get about to that keep Derrick Henry in the tenth round this year. I'm oh, that's a good one. Henry's another guy. Like he, he again, um he, if you have Austin Eckler, you're going to get him probably in like the second or third, not going to be your first pick. 
And so if you pick the other first pick right and that's healthy, all of a sudden that combo could be really, really dangerous. And Eckler's a guy that by the end of the year, you're going to look at and be like, how the heck was he? Like, he could be the guy next year that's like, you got to take him in the first round because of how good of a year he has this year. Yeah, I liked it. And he almost had 1,000 yards receiving. Like, he's dynamic and, and kind of right yes. in line with that Christian McCaffrey. And let's not forget, and again, I'm, he's, I'm banking he's on bald <laughs> and successful. My hero. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, I need that's to a, that's a good G way to, to end on right yeah. here on the Football Lounge. Our NFC playoff prediction episode. We hope you all enjoyed it. And uh, we'll definitely be keeping ourselves honest and accountable for these predictions throughout the season. Next week, Mark, we're full-blown in. We will actually have some actual football games to talk about. Really looking forward to that. Wait, first upset of the week. Oh, yeah. All right, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm just going to quickly say, look out. Washington might beat Philly, and I have Philly winning the division. But I just look I just think it's emotional a little bit. Look out, just saying. Put some money on it. For sure. I mean, I actually think the, the Texans can pull out a win on Thursday night. And so – uh, oh, I, I, okay. I, I'll be interested. To, I'm really interested to see that matchup. Like, obviously, the Chiefs are going to be favored, no question. But hey, Deshaun Watson just got All paid. Right. Big money, man. Let's go see what he can do. All right, folks. All right, I'll shut up. I'll shut up. Now. <laughs> shut your mouth. We're trying to end the show. All right. Thank you, everyone, for <laughs> joining. Hey, follow us. Uh, we got a Twitter now. Um, you can follow us on Twitter there at FB Lounge Pod. So follow us there also at Mark Hespin, at Dan Vasco, and you can find us on Facebook, The Football Lounge with Mark and Dan. Be sure to, sure to check us out there. Uh, we are on Spotify, and uh, you can go over to our Facebook and Twitter pages uh, to find our podcast link website. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you back here next week.